what was your reaction when you stepped into the Jimmy Stewart Museum and you saw all of that work of your mother's all in one place? Well, I was just delighted, and it was something that I had thought about for a long time. My mother uh, passed away very young. She, uh, When I was 30, she passed away. So I'd always wanted to put something or be involved in something that would highlight her work and her legacy. And so this was, uh, it was just like a dream come true. The PGH Museums Corporation presents to you the new Pittsburgh Exposition, the area's premier podcast highlighting our regional's cultural resources, attractions, and exhibitions, as well as meeting the people involved in their conservation. Now here's presenter Brian Crawford with the program. Hey, Janie, how are you? Good morning, Brian. Good. Good, good. Can you hear me okay? I can. That's Jenny McCurkin. She's the executive director of the Jimmy Stewart Museum and the brainchild behind their newest exhibit, Another Wonderful Life, featuring the artwork of Mary Stewart Perry, the sister of the award-winning actor Jimmy Stewart. Welcome to the new Pittsburgh Exposition. I'm Brian Crawford. Each month, we'll dive in and learn all about the region's cultural exhibits, resources, and more, and go behind the scenes to meet the people, like Janny, who make these things happen. The show is named after the Pittsburgh Expositions of old. Imagine a World's Fair every year in downtown Pittsburgh, where you could see exhibits from all over the world. Well, this is exactly what happened in the late 1800s and early 1900s in a large building where Point State Park is today. With this podcast, we'll showcase regional treasures such as this exhibit at the Jimmy Stewart Museum in Indiana, PA. If you want to learn more about the original Pittsburgh Exposition, check out the podcast page at pghmuseums.org. As for another wonderful life exhibit, I asked Jenny if she had any idea what she was getting into. I didn't even know what I was getting, so it was a little nerve-wracking. I mean, I saw bits and pieces they sent me through email, but one of her sons, David, is an author and uh, is in marketing and advertising, and he did he said i'm going to divide it into decades so he did all the text for the um wall text and divided it into her indiana years her new york years the war years the susie wears and then we also had portraits and um little stories about her going on a cruise that jimmy stewart paid for with her sister so he did all that and we got it printed up and then they came i think tuesday before we were going to show the uh, open the exhibit on saturday and just dropped off all these pieces. I mean, we had more than I we had much more than I needed. The different years Janie is referring to are different periods of Mary's work, where she had different focuses and experimented with different styles. The exhibit includes large posters explaining the history of her work, organized by her son David, who you heard at the beginning of the program. Here he is now talking about his reaction to being asked about displaying his mother's work. Well, I was I was flattered and and really really pleased because my mother was you know a great inspiration. I'm an artist as well. I'm a also a publisher, but I'm an artist and I uh, write and illustrate children's books. And I read one of them. Oh, you did. Oh, you did. Great. I did. Yeah. Before the interview, I was I was looking into that and I uh, yeah I, I looked into one of them. It's very cool. Oh, great. Thank you. Just as an aside, the book I read was The Little Man with the Big Black Hat Who Stole Away with Fred My Cat. It's available in the show notes if you want to look it up. So I've always, and I, my brothers and I uh, 
have all felt this way, that we've always wanted to have her uh, work uh, reach, you know, go on to, to uh, next generations and generations after that. And so the opportunity to stage a, a show of her work was just something we couldn't resist. Did you follow her work before putting together this exhibition? Actually, not at all. I knew she had done stuff for World War II and posters um, against the uh, Axis powers and raised money for war bonds. And we had had something in our military galley that was a cl- newspaper clipping saying that Jimmy Stewart's sister was doing this. So I knew she had done some stuff for World War II, and that was about it. And it wasn't until we were having a board meeting, and one of my board members said, you know, when I was back in college, I went into this antique store and there was a paint, this beautiful painting there. And they said this was painted by Jimmy Stewart's sister. And at that point, I did not have the money to buy it. I regret it to this day. So I thought, hmm, maybe there's more to this than just the World War II stuff. So I was Facebook friends with one of her sons, Ethan. So I messaged him and said, you know, does your mother have a collection? And and if so, I'd be really interested in displaying it at the museum and doing a rotating exhibit for three months. My brother, Ethan, is the archivist of the family. Mm-hmm. And he um, has family photos that people have never seen. He had artwork. And I had some artwork. And so we just we just worked together and worked with Janie to, to put the show on. And... Uh, I just heard from Janie earlier this week, and they've already had 1,400 people who've seen the show, which is phenomenal for a, a little museum like uh, the Jimmy Stewart Museum. He ain't lying. When I went up to see the exhibit, Janie was supposed to show me around, but there was no way. There were people climbing on the rafters, well, not literally, but there were people everywhere. It, it was wild. So packed and so busy, it was really cool to see. I asked David if he learned anything new about his mother when he saw all of this work in one place. I think just the fact that she was a she was an explorer in terms of her creativity and that came out in all the like diverse styles she worked in. In other words, she didn't just pick a style that she liked and just stay with it for her entire career. She just she switched, so she was. She worked in all kinds of different mediums, and I think that's a real testament to her, to her art and her her talent. And it was the first time I really saw it all together, so that that had a had a big impact on me. The fact that she had that diversity in uh, in her in her career. All right, let's learn about that diversity. These are the years or eras Janie referred to earlier. It all started capturing life in Western PA. She had a a, a very uh, diverse career. I mean, in the beginning of her career, she went around to uh, the coal mines in Western Pennsylvania. Actually, my grandfather was part owner in a coal mine in Western uh, Western Pennsylvania, and so she would go out to these coal towns and and draw the people and paint the people. And she was influenced by the Ashcan School, which was people like uh, Robert Henry and John Sloan and uh, William James Glackens, George Lukes were all part of that 
that school of painting, and so she, she was influenced that way. The Ashcan School was an artistic movement in the United States that produced works portraying daily life in New York, often in the poor neighborhoods. So that's what she's being inspired by. When she went into her Ashcan art, which I was not even that educated on until I started seeing all this stuff from Mary and reading about it, you're trying to really uh, show artwork that shows a certain people, a certain angst, a certain, you know, you can pick all sorts of stuff. And she picked, tended to pick the coal miners and she has coal miner families and coal mining companies, workers coming out. My favorite piece is all these children playing in a playground and you see all this coal dust um, in the sky and here's these kids kind of oblivious to it all, but you know, it's kind of heavy over them. It, it really is a really powerful piece in my mind. I wish they would use work like this in the school system. I, I just think when I was in school and I learned about our pollution issues and, and women's rights and, and things like that, I feel like the art has such a stronger message than a teacher just you know, standing in front of the classroom and reading from the book or, or whatever. I feel like it is so much more impactful. Do you think that's something that maybe the education system should think more about? I do because people are different. Kids are different kind of learners, and and just reading from a book is can be very boring. Um, but some are visual learners. They need to see something. They need to see pictures or diagrams instead of just reading words. And I think if they integrated more art and music and um, all sorts of forms to help teach it, I think when you learn it from all different sides, I think you comprehend it much better. And I think you reach some of those learners that don't are as book smart, but more um, uh, learn by doing, by hearing, by seeing. I, I think it's more important. I think it can get really overwhelming to just be reading or being talked to the whole time. Serving the country during World War II was a family tradition in the Stewart household. Mary created some incredible pieces depicting and raising awareness of the Hitler Youth Program back here in the States. David tells us more. She created this cartoon which depicted a, uh, a like a little boy in a Nazi uniform. And it, en- it ended up in the, they had a jury show of the, of the artwork and she won first prize at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, beating out Saul Steinberg and Charles Adams and all these luminaries of the time. All the stuff she did in the war, I think her sons were worried that it was going to be a little heavy for the Jimmy Stewart Museum because it's very much, she did a lot about Hitler recruiting youth and child soldiers and, you know, that he had youth camps and all that. So a lot of it is kind of haunting and and they were worried about that. I said, no, I said, I, I think it's it speaks to it. And Jimmy Stewart fought in that war. Yeah. He fought all that. So it, I think it played really well against um, our military gallery where Jimmy was over there fighting and she was doing this work because she felt like she wanted to do her part. A little bit later in the war, probably because of the uh, notice that she received from the Artists for Victory work, uh, she was approached by Charm magazine. If you've ever seen the magazine Glamour sitting on the magazine rack at the store, know that Charm is the predecessor that became Glamour as we know it today. To start a 
cartoon that depicted a working woman in New York. And that was very interesting because at the time, during World War II, uh, most of the men, or a lot of the men, were off fighting the war. So there was a big influx of women into the workforce. Enter the Susie Years, the cartoon that Mary created for Charm magazine. She did a lot of really interesting stuff with this cartoon, including one panel where she focused on women voting and the importance of voting. So she really was at the very beginning stages of the women's rights movement. And though Mary isn't the first person you think of when someone mentions the women's rights movement, these movements can only exist when a lot of different people do their part and all of those pieces come together. And that's how change is made. That's why art is so important, because it can portray so many things and tell so many stories in a different way than just a, uh, a news story could be. One of my other favorite pieces, and it's just a little story she illustrated, and it was all about the importance of women getting out and voting and having your voice heard. And, you know, that was a long time ago, back in the, the late or in the 40s. And she's pushing women to show that it's important to go to the polls, to vote. And, and vote on things that are important to you. And so I'm like, wow, that was kind of early on in her time. And I liked, I really liked that. And she felt it was important to tell that story. And, and I think it's important for all artists to keep speaking up and sharing their voices to whatever they feel are injustices in the world or important social issues. I think that's where we need to hear it from all sides of, uh, of our whole society. So a Charm magazine was, was really groundbreaking at the time because uh, not only did, they give a, did it give a voice to uh, women in the workforce, but it also was very, very, it used the, it, uh, the pulpit of a, as a published magazine to improve, for example, um, the working conditions for women in the workforce. And uh, pretty much just, um, uh, propo- you know, pro- it was a big proponent of uh, a women, uh, which was very, almost unique at the time. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Very progressive. Yeah, it was very progressive. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so we're, we're very um, proud of the fact that she was involved in the women, and that pretty much was the women's movement way back then. And she had a big involvement, and uh, we're really proud of the fact that she, she was involved. Stay right here. Family stories about Jimmy Stewart himself, and we go inside Janie's mind when she lays out an exhibit, all coming up right after this. You know, I lived here all my life, and I used to think I knew this town like the back of my hand. Boy, how foolish I felt when my kid cousin Jimmy came in from out of state with the PGH Museum's directory pulled up right on his phone. His first day in town, he's leading me around to places I've never seen, right in my own backyard. He opens up the PGH Museum's interactive map in their directory, and he can zoom in on the neighborhood he wants and see all the museums, galleries, and historic sites that neighborhood has to offer. He can even click the direction button and navigate right with his GPS. Experts agree that PGH Museums has the most comprehensive directory that exists, and I'll be sure to keep it handy next time family comes into town. 
Don't let your kid cousin show you up. Add pghmuseums.org to your browser's bookmark now. Welcome back. Here's David with Mary's transition into family life. After the war, then she started having a family. And um, so she gave up the cartoon, but she continued painting. And uh, one of the important themes of her work was uh, mother and child paintings. And those were uh, some of her best work, uh, just depictions of mother and child in all kinds of different circumstances but uh, that was that was something that she continued through the through throughout her life and in the meantime teaching us art theory and lines of continuation and foreshortening and all, all kinds of things like that now when I was talking to Janie she was saying that this was the first time that you had all seen all of this work in one place at one time is that correct yes yeah as a matter of fact uh, some of the some of the work and some of the photos, the family photos that were displayed at the show, had never been seen uh, by anybody outside the family. Mm-hmm. So it was a chance for people to see what it was like growing up in the Stewart household. One one of the posters that we did was a uh, it was a piece that my Aunt Ginny did when she was about 16, and it was about the dining table with Alex Stewart and Bessie Stewart and Jimmy Stewart and my mother. And um, it's, a, it's a real snapshot of what it was like uh, growing up at that time. And so I was very glad to have that uh, be a part of the show and also represent my Aunt Ginny, because she was uh, she was a big part of the Stewart family as well. I think that's really relatable to some people, maybe less and less as time goes on, but I came from a large family, so I can kind of see a lot of my own family in that and just, you know, all the people around. Uh, I think that's something that we don't see a lot of today. People seem to be uh, less intertwined in, in large families. Yeah, yeah. Um... My grandfather, who was a really interesting guy, he, his name was Alex Stewart. He went to Princeton University, and then during his senior year, he disappeared, and he ended up going to fight in the Spanish-American War because they were looking for horsemen. And so he uh, joined the Army and went down to Cuba, and uh, then he came back to Princeton and graduated and he, wearing his uniform. Uh, but anyway, he was, he was uh, I, I still remember him, he was, he was an amazing guy. But my uncle just adored, we called him Pop. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a good story about when my uncle Jimmy um, got his Oscar for the Philadelphia story about, you know, he, uh, Uncle Jim had gone to these, you know, after Oscar parties and so he gets this call about one in the morning, and it's from his father. And his father says, well, you know, I heard you, you won some kind of award tonight. And, uh, and Jim said, yes, yeah, I did. And so my grandfather said, well, I want you to, in the morning, don't do it now, but in the morning, I want you to wrap it up and send it back to Indiana because I want to put it in the front window of the hardware store 
and my uncle always did everything his father said, you know, mm-hmm. without question. So, <laughs> so, so next morning he wraps up the Oscar and he sends it back to Indiana. And then for 40 years, it was in the front window of my grandfather's hardware store. Wow. On Philadelphia, in, on Philadelphia Street. So, yeah, he was, uh, he was a character. He, uh, Another story. Another story. He he came out to visit uh, Uncle Jim, and um, it was on a Sunday morning. And he noticed that my uncle wasn't getting ready for church. So he goes out and comes back later that afternoon, and he's got three deacons from the local Presbyterian church, <laughs> and they all sit down with my uncle. And you know, from that day on, from that Sunday on. He never missed this. Never missed church. Wow. <laughs> he he went every Sunday. But um, so that was uh, that was what he was like. You know, he uh, had a huge amount of respect for my uh, grandfather, and um, that you know, it's just it's the same kind of father he was to his kids, and um, so just. Um, very kind of an American family, uh, uh, very involved in the community. So it was, uh, that's, that's what they were like. I mean, what they seem like is what they really were like. And it's just funny because I'm thinking of the Oscar and it's like, uh, you know, Jimmy doesn't have a chance to really appreciate it before he's sending it on. But at the same time, like that really shows how proud he was of, of his kids, you know, that, he wants that displayed in, in, you know, right on the main drag there for, uh, you know, everybody to see in town. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, obviously it was, um, um, it brought a lot of people in the store, but, uh, you know, it was, it was great. And of course, uncle Jim, every time he came back home, he, he could see his Oscars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted. But, um, uh, yeah, he, uh, he just, uh, was very respectful of his father, and he, um, he was a very he was a good son. I didn't even know what I was getting, so it was a little nerve wracking. I mean, I saw bits and pieces they sent me through email. Do you remember that? Janie was slammed with so many pieces for the exhibit that she had to make sense of and lay out. And I personally, when I build something, a video project or a podcast, I take the recording and I just destroy it. It's a total mess, and then I pick the pieces back up, and I arrange it in a way that I think that works. I think it's fun that way. I, I, I need to destroy things in order to recreate them. I'm curious, and I asked if Janny had a similar mindset. So many people said, do you want help? Do you want help? I'm like, no. <laughs> you just want to be alone and be able to really think it through and move things around and switch pieces out and really get, it was speaking to me slowly, but surely. And I thought it was only going to take me two or three hours and it ended up taking me five. But for me, it was really fun to let it, um, it kind of just flowed and naturally it started going. And I started putting it near the walls where I was going to hang it. And then, um, and then to be able to have some extra pieces at the end, some of her paintings and things that I got to add some extra things. But it really flew well, or, or, or flowed well um, once I got everything uh, out and moving around. And and then I'm like, okay, I think I have it now. 
is there like an art or a science to placing different pictures when you're putting together an exhibit? Because it, it almost seems like a, a puzzle and you're putting pieces in place and it looks, it's all the presentation of if you step back and just look at an exhibit to me is almost a, an art form in and of itself to make it visually appealing and make people want to engage in it. What goes through your mind when you put something like that together? I want movement to the display instead of having everything in a straight line. Um, I like it going up and down. Um, I'm really conscious of when I have big pieces, you don't want to be really heavy on one side versus the other. So you want to balance it out on one wall. But I really like, I like it to have movement. It's visually interesting. Even though you can't see the pieces up close, if you step back, it still looks really interesting that the way you hang it, that in and of itself. And so I had experience with that a lot when we closed down to redo the museum right before COVID shut us down. And just to do that with the movie posters and the pictures and the stories that we have, that took me weeks. But I got more experience on how I liked things, how I like to see things. We've got a lot of great feedback from people that come to the museum that say this is really well hung and really well organized. So I've gotten better at it as I keep going on, I think. A fun process. So you know that one corner of your house that's kind of designed weird and you really don't know what to do with it? That's the rotating exhibit space at the Jimmy Stewart Museum. It's that weird spot of the museum that's kind of hard to work with. It's where Mary Stewart's exhibit is currently set up. For a creative person, though, that weird corner is the room where all the fun is. I feel like when I have a big wall, I got to be conscious of filling it. I don't want to run out of things for the big wall or it looks blank. So I want to make sure I have enough for the big wall. But I get more excited about the small spaces. When I have one small little wall to the side of a doorway or at the beginning of the exhibit, and I find the perfect piece that's like, that fits, that's where it should be. And it takes me a while to kind of move pieces in and out till I find the perfect spot. I get more excited when I find the perfect piece for the smaller spots because the bigger spots or bigger walls are are easier I in, in that you've got a lot to work with. But that single wall needs to have something really special to stand out for people to notice that one wall. And I have to ask, since this exhibit is at the Jimmy Stewart Museum, do you have a favorite Jimmy Stewart movie? Well, I do, and it's might be uh, uh, not other people's favorites, but my favorite Jimmy Stewart movie is called Naked Spur. And I don't know if anybody, how many people know that movie, but it's one of the Anthony Mann westerns. And I think it was, the reason I like it so much is that it's almost like a, like a play because there are very few characters. Mm-hmm. There may be four characters in the whole movie, four or five. So it's like a play, but then the tableau is against, you know, I think, it was shot in Montana or someplace like that. But uh, I love that. That's pretty much my favorite movie. But then I also love uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, and uh, I love uh, also Mortal Storm. It's a really good movie, which was a movie he made with Margaret Sullivan, which depicted, it was made before World War II, but it, it depicted the Nazi movement that was going on in, in Europe. And then, of course, the other one is uh, Shop Around the Corner, which is, Ernest, Ernst Lubitsch, which is uh, uh, You've Got Mail, is based on that movie. So uh, those, are, those are kind of my, my faves. Do you ever just go in the theater and watch a movie? 
yeah. in the theater you guys have there? Yeah, um, we have a 50 seat theater and I, he, Jimmy Stewart made 80 movies. So uh, obviously I haven't seen every single one of the 80. So if, if we're playing one that I haven't seen, um, sometimes I'll catch a little bit of it. Sometimes if I have time, I'd like to watch the whole thing, but it's it's uh, it depends how, how how my week is going. But yeah, it's really neat. It's neat that we have that. Getting back to the exhibit, as I said, when I went to the museum to check it out, it seemed busy. How does Janie feel about it? It's definitely pulled in a lot of people. It got a lot of um, press in Pittsburgh area, which is cool. And she has a tie to Pittsburgh. I mean, she went to Carnegie Tech, which is now Carnegie Mellon. So she's an alumnus from down there. Um, so not only have people seen the article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and have mentioned that and have come up, but it also we threw out a lot of press releases to art schools and things like that, thinking, you know, the typical artist may not think of coming to the Jimmy Stewart Museum, but now that we have works of art, it pulls in a different clientele, which is really neat. And then they discover, oh, all the old movie posters, before there was a picture on the movie posters, there was artwork. Somebody drew the actors and drew the scenes from the movie. So there's a lot of art in and of itself of these old, beautiful, original movie posters. So it's neat to be able to get some of the art community to come in and see what we have. And then other people are just pleasantly surprised that it's here when they're already coming to see the Jimmy Stewart Museum. So it's been a big plug. We've had some really good crowds um, since we've had it up. From what Janie just said, the the attendance has been great. All these people have, have seen her work. And if we can continue it um, with this museum program that I'm starting now, um, I, I'm you know just doubly delighted. Just thrilled. I was just thrilled about the whole thing. David told me that he's working with some friends to put the exhibit on the road with a program in his home state of Vermont. That has to be cool for Janie, to know that her idea and her work will travel. I ended my conversation with David, asking what he wants you to know about his mother, Mary Stewart Perry. Yes, I think uh, several things. I mean, she was she was loving. She believed in family, and she also believed in teaching. It's kind of it's the Stuart legacy, you know, teaching her children. And he had it, she had four kids, which was a handful, you can imagine. But teaching her kids about uh, family values and uh, how to work hard, how to succeed, and so that's, uh, those are some of the things I remember about her. And she was also beautiful and very independent. And for her time, uh, a real, you know, um, I wouldn't call her a woman's liver, but she was, uh, she believed in uh, the rights of women. And uh, uh, that came off in her, in her artwork and her, uh, in her career. Jimmy Stewart Museum, may I help you? Hey, is this Janie? This is. Hey, it's Brian. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Sorry to bother you again, but I had that interview with David, and he shared some exciting news that I don't know if you know, but I hopefully I can break it to you, and if not, I'm excited to hear what you have to, to say. Do you know that they're looking to move the exhibit to Vermont after it's finished at the 
I have heard that that was in. I have heard that that was in the works. Yeah, so that's very exciting. It is, and I wanted to hear how you feel about that. You organized this. You had the idea. You put it together, and now it's going across the you know all the, all the way up north. Absolutely no. I'm thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. One that we got a chance to start this whole thing and to shine a light on Mary Stewart. She was an extraordinary artist and now more people get to see her talent. So we're we're more than thrilled. How does it how do you feel? Do you feel proud of yourself to to accomplish this? Um, yeah, I feel really proud. I I really love bringing new things into the museum and it's always a collaborative effort um, with with others, but um, I'm really proud that we continue to, to expand our horizons here at the museum and to bring exciting exhibits like, like this one. Um, it was probably my favorite to create um, just because of the family and, and this not all been together in one place before. It was really exciting and it was probably my favorite to do. I went to the Jimmy Stewart Museum not really knowing what to expect. I wasn't familiar with Mary's work, and I really didn't even know what kind of work she did. I left impressed. It was a really cool and enjoyable experience, and if you live in the city like me, I'll say it's worth the drive. Most importantly, I learned a lot, and it made a lasting impression on me. Check it out. It's only up through the end of August. Hopefully you're impressed with the first edition of the new Pittsburgh Exposition, Future editions will be released monthly, occasionally with a twice-a-month surprise. I've got a lot of cool ideas I'm working through, but hopefully you send me some ideas of your own. I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email at brian at pghmuseums.org. Special thanks to Janie McCurgan for her time, her support of the program, and PGH Museums at large. Thanks to David for taking the time, and thank you for giving this podcast a chance. I hope you stick around. Signing off for the first edition of the new Pittsburgh Exposition, I'm Brian Crawford. Let's talk again soon. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the new Pittsburgh Exposition. You can support the program by becoming a sustaining supporter at pghmuseums.org backslash support. The new Pittsburgh Exposition is a production of the PGH Museums Corporation. All rights reserved.